In continuation of the topic of God and money, the Bahamas and its Christian values and views is something that's always being discussed, whether it be on radio or TV. We would like to continue on that topic to find out what God has to say about debt and how we can manage our finances. We will take a look today at the topic of God and money and its relation on debt and what God has to say about making sure that either you have too much money in debt or you want to continue borrowing. What does God have to say about that? Good day, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of C-File Talks. I am Senior Financial Literacy Coach Richard Pinder, along with Senior Financial Literacy Coach Shanice Taylor. Join us today as we discuss the significant topic of God and money. Today, we also have a special guest on the show, who Mrs. Taylor will now introduce. Good morning, everyone. Pastor Kirsch Darvel began ministering in 1988 as an associate youth pastor under the leadership of Dr. Dave Burrows, senior pastor of BFM, for five years. This exposure to church leadership subsequently led to other appointments within the church. The accounts team, a counselor, associate mission director, president of the men's ministry, and now fellowship pastor of BFM. He worked in the financial services industry in offshore banking and trust for 30 years in the areas of accounting, administration, risk management, processes, and training. Kirsch has an MBA from Sunderland University and a bachelor's in theology from Christian Life School of Theology. His journey in both ministry and finance has been significantly influenced by his partner, partnership with Suzette Darvel, his spouse of 34 years who has had a career in banking. Together, they have been a source of strength and inspiration for their congregation and the community they serve. As fellowship pastors at BFM, Kirsch and Suzette continue to lead and inspire, drawing on their extensive experience in both ministry and finance. The couple has two adult children, Ashley Brittany and Eric John. Welcome to the show, Dr. Darrell. It's good to be here. Welcome. Good to have you. Good to have you. So one thing that we've been talking about in this series is what does God have to say about money? As we all know, the Bible, we always say in church that the Bible has every answer that you could ever want for any problem that you have, any problem you face. And we didn't want it to make it too, of course, scriptural, but we did want to give the Bahamian people an opportunity to see that there are answers to the problems they are facing. And so some of the things that we talk about today is what does God have to say about money? What does God have to say about debt? What does God have to say being rich versus being poor? Um, and why the mindset of the Bahamian people is something that we can look at as well. And so the first thing that we want to talk about is what are some of the references from the Bible on money and how we should manage it? You know, when I think about the first thing I think about when I think about money is going all the way back to the book of Genesis. So from the very beginning, we see in the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, we see where it says God blessed them, meaning mankind, he blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. So here is God. This is God now talking about being fruitful and multiplying. So God in his, in his own creation wanted mankind to excel. And he wanted us to be innovative. He wanted us to be creative. And the verse goes on to say, fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, bring it under control. So when you talk about finances, a lot of times we have to subdue it. We have to make sure that we are 
using it for the exact purpose it's supposed to. And so money to me also is a tool. It's an instrument to be used. So you study business and, you know, business tells you that money is one of those instruments. It is a tool to be used in order to gain something. And so in life, I believe when God was saying in Genesis is he says, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air and every living thing. We have to have control over the stuff in our lives. And a lot of times when people don't have control, they'll find themselves getting in trouble. So the first thing God says, increase, multiply. In other words, people think, you know, God doesn't want me to have things. But why is he talking in the book of Genesis? In the very first chapter, we call the book of Genesis the book, the book of beginnings. Yeah. And, and everything that you ever want to know about life is in the Bible. So before God created anything, he said, first of all, let them increase, let them multiply, let them have more. And, and so I would just end with that particular point on that one. But God wants us to be responsible when we have money. And Luke, it says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. And, you know, I thought about this as, uh, you know, as I was thinking and preparing, I thought about my own son. He was five years old. We took his grandparents and we went to Orlando and we were in the mall. And his grandmother took out $5 and gave to him. So everybody stood back and said, let's see what he's going to do with it. Let's see what he's going to do. <laughs> and sure enough, he takes this $5 and he runs to, he goes to a, min, a window and he looks in and he sees at that time, SpongeBob was a big thing. I think it may still be, right? Mm -hmm. And he got a SpongeBob lesson. His $5 was gone. You know, I said, wow, here's this boy. He takes it and he spends it. But do you know that my son to this day loves, still loves tennis? So we always say that that was his initial investment into his future. When he went to university, he bought and sold uh, tennis. That's what he did to help to put him through. So God sometimes puts money in our hands. The scripture says, whosoever can be trusted with very little will be trusted with more. That's how it is with life. That's a principle all through life. How do you use the little that you have? What is the first thing you spend it on when you get it? You know, I, I, I tend to work with couples and I train and help them to understand how to spend and deal with money. And one of the key things I always ask them, and we have a money matrix that we go through with them, through counseling with them. And I ask them, what's your money style? What's your budgeting skills? I ask them, what's your financial affairs? I ask them, what's your debt? Because that's when you're getting married, you're marrying all those things. You're marrying how this person, their money style, whether they're a saver or they're a spender, right? Mm -hmm. You're asking them, what's your budgeting skills? Do you have a budget? And some will say, but I have one, you know, but I don't use it, right? Yeah. So when we look at God and money, God wants, to, he says this, he who has little managing that will get much. Mm -hmm. So my first question to them is, how are you handling your money? Mm -hmm. Right? And so there's always a question. I always finish up with them. I ask them this question. In my home growing up, I'll say, what was money? Right? And I'll always ask the female first. <laughs> right? I would say, what was money growing up? Put it in one word or two. And people will tell you from their history just what money meant to them. So they will say, money in our home growing up was scarce or we didn't have any problem with money. Money was always there, you know? And, and it tells you the mindset that they're going to enter into marriage with. It goes all the way back. How we manage it, how we're gonna take it, what it's gonna do. And so people would make that statement, and I know then how to help them. And you and you ask them a question about your financial fears. So what's the fear that you have, right? And people would say, well, the lack of influence 
or they may say the lack of security, or they might say the lack of respect. If I don't have money, I may not be respected in this relationship. I can't have a say on what we do. And the fourth thing they might say is not realizing my dreams. So if I don't have money, how am I going to realize the dreams, my hopes, the things that I want to achieve in life? So money really goes all the way back to the beginning. God established a principle. He says, I want you to increase. I want you to multiply. Yeah, and I, I mean, you gave us so much nuggets in there, so many things. Yeah. But I let Masila go ahead. You, you agreed. It up. <laughs> agreed. What, what stood out to me was how he gave the example about his son. Yes, and that's amazing. What does a person do when you give them money? The first thing that they do when you give them money, and that goes back to us and and talking about finance and budgeting, saving. What is one of the first things you do when you get your salary? Mm-hmm. You know, we try to encourage. Encourage people to, you know, think about savings first. It's like you said, it's the mindset. And that, that, that is very, that's, that's very remarkable when you think about it. The first thing you do with money when you get it. Right, right. And that's the question I'll ask a couple as well, right? When you get paid, when you and money part, where does it go? <laughs> you know, where does yeah. it go, right? right Some people go? say, well, it goes to get my hair done. Some people say, well, it goes to food. Oh, we like to go. We need to eat, you know? So what you, and, and what you're trying to determine is what's your part and why you do, may not have money. Mm-hmm. Where does it go? You know? And that kind of ties into what, what I found important and that was understanding the type of person you are. Yes. I yes. think from a cultural standpoint, a lot of Bahamians don't understand the type of person they are in terms of how they manage money and how even their upbringing or how they were taught money, uh, how it affects them as they are adults. Um, one of the things that we find is you talk about understanding the type, whether you're a spender, whether you're a saver. A lot of persons don't learn that until they are actually adults. Right, right, right. Um, and so that's kind of where CFAL always talks about trying to learn these things from from your younger because, of course, by the time you're an adult, if you're trying to learn that, you you have a tendency maybe to maybe hit some pitfalls more than you'd like to um, because you may, you know, you spend money or you spend it too quickly or that's at that point when it's time to pay bills and that that might not be the time to learn a a valuable lesson. Exactly. exactly. So learning that lesson when you're younger. Yes. um, Because, I mean, it's hard to say that now you, like you say, you're marrying someone. Let's use your example. Mm -hmm. You're marrying someone now. So you're bringing two lives as one, right? exactly. And so what type of person am I? I mean, do Mm -hmm. I spend just impulsively what I save towards that goal. I think that's a very important point. I, I think that uh, for our listeners, I think it's important to understand the type of person you are, the type mm-hmm. of, yeah. go ahead. And the last, the last point in that matrix would be how much debt do you have, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're marrying someone, you're actually marrying that person's debt. Yes. You see? So that goes all the way back to- That's something that persons don't always realize as well. They don't realize that. <laughs> yes. So um, so I'll ask them, how do you feel about this? You know, because- <laughs> <laughs> Hey, do we have that conversation? Can we have that conversation, yeah. right? Um, how much debt do they do they owe? Yes. Um, persons may be marrying you and they have a, they can have a, a college debt of $120,000. That's very easy. That's a mortgage in itself. So in te- that could take 10 years before it's gone. Mm-hmm. And I forgot when my wife and I were getting married, um, we, we had had a, a, a piece of property. I'd had a piece of property. Mm-hmm. So we went to the bank to get, uh, to get a mortgage just before we got married. So about four months before getting married, we had to go to the bank. And I forgot when it was time to sign the documents. They sent me, <clears throat> the bank sent me to, to the lawyer. So when I got in to see the lawyer, the lawyer says to me, he says, now you realize, right? First he says, 
tell your fiance she she has she must leave the room right so she leaves she left the room and so the lawyer says to me says i, I just want to let you know that the minute she signs this document she's going to have ownership in this property right mm-hmm. and and I said, yeah, I, I understand that. I say, but I love her. He says, no. Nah. Then he says, okay, I understand you love her, right? <laughs> he said, I understand you saying you love her, right? Yeah. I say, but you, do you understand, understand what, what you're, you're doing? doing? Right. You know, yeah. I want you to make sure you understand what you're doing, that if anything ever happens from this way forward and you mm-hmm. sign this document, mm-hmm. she's going to have an interest in this document. Right. So marriage is like that. You can benefit from the, a person's assets as well as you can not benefit from right. their debt. It could be so a detraction. To, it can be it can be the detraction. It can yeah. but you you have to go into it just like any investment, just like mm-hmm. any deal, you must go into it with your eyes open. Mm-hmm. And you go back again to what does God say about money. Mm-hmm. And understanding that money is a tool, mm-hmm. is an instrument. It can be used for your benefit. It can be used against you. Yes. And also to um you talk about the debt. What is the debt for? You know, because the debt may be for a rental property. Right. You know, it may be some um we talked about good and bad debt. I mean, I I, I personally agree, no debt, right? But <laughs> good and bad debt, yes. good debt that yes. could actually bring Very you cash debt. flow. So mm-hmm. that's that's important also too. And and I personally, um, when I got married, that was something that me and my husband talk about, like we we said that we're not going to go into anything, you know, family wise, you know, we're not going to take on any additional external things, you know, from from family members to say, OK, you know, we're taking this on. We had to sit down and make a decision ourselves. So that's very important for couples who may be listening or persons who are engaged, like you just mentioned. Yes, yes. Yes. So, Pastor Kirsch, are there any additional references that you want to mention? There, from- there is one. That's another one. You know, it, it says the, and talking about debt again, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. You know, when you, when you get, and she, she mentioned it, talking about actually getting good debt versus bad debt. When you think about a slave, a slave, first of all, you want to, God already told us in the beginning, First thing he gave man was work. He says, be fruitful and multiply. He told him to go and work. But when you work, you always want to work because it is something that you love to do. A slave, meaning a person now who has to work to pay somebody back, mm-hmm. they may find themselves doing something that they don't really love. You see? So you become a slave simply because you've got to pay off this debt. Yes. Right. So be careful who you borrow from and when you borrow, how long you borrow for. So a lot of people are in a job they don't love, but they're still in that job. They are a slave to that job because they think about the fact that I've got a 20 year mortgage. Mm-hmm. Right. I've got I've got this car bill I've got to pay. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I've got this girlfriend I got to maintain or whatever the case might be. Right? <laughs> but the point is, they're in that job and they are slave to that job, not because they love it but because they have borrowed. Mm-hmm. And borrowing, as you mentioned, borrowing should be for the right reason. Borrowing to invest, borrowing to get an education. An educational loan is not a bad debt. It's something that you're looking towards the future to right. better yourself. Yeah. In fact, you know, when we think about COVID, COVID was a great opportunity when people weren't working to invest in their education. It was mm-hmm. time to learn something new, you know? So that's a, that's a scripture that I think is, is so important that people... Uh, Whenever you're looking at getting debt, look at the long term and look in long term to see 
what is this going to do for me in the long term? Is this an investment? How is this going to improve my life? Um, am I going to become a slave to this thing for the next 20 years? You know, so you've got to, you've got to look to the future, uh, with the future in mind and also your present, your present condition. So I think that's, that's something that we can also look at. Yes. I think, I think it's so, I think it's so powerful that, that persons, this debt conversation, um, it's something that we don't talk a lot about, um, because a lot of persons have made some decisions that they probably look back on it and they're, they kind of they kind of get depressed about it. They say I shoulda, coulda, woulda. Right. And I think that one thing that we always try to try to show persons at CFAL is one decision does not make or break you. Yes. Um, all it means is that you may have to make some other decisions right. that that can maybe fix or alleviate that problem. But yeah. it, it, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Um, and so when you think about your debt, when you think about your debt position, mm-hmm. whether it be individually or as a family. All it means is taking another look at, at your financial situation and saying, how can I fix this problem? I want to, I want to also make mention to you, you know, when I think about the church, okay, the church has a responsibility. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when people join a church, they think, okay, let me just make sure this person's soul right. Make sure they get into heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, what I love about Bahamas Faith Ministries, joining Bahamas Faith Ministries as a 22 year old walking through the doors of Bahamas Faith Ministries, I found out that Dr. Miles and your father, Dr. Richard Pinder, their motto was, let's look at the whole person. Let's look at the spirit, the soul, and the body. Yeah. Let's make sure that your spirit is right. You're, you know, you're ready to go to, your soul is right to go to heaven. But what do you do in the meantime while you're here living on earth? And it was the first time I walked into church and he was talking about money. And I said, my God, these people talk about money in church, right? <laughs> because, <laughs> you know. Let's, let's, let, me, let, me, let, yeah. me put a, let me let me ask you a good question right there. Yeah, right. So what about our cultural made you feel like talking about money in church was an issue? Well, let's put it this way. Growing up, people always felt like, boy, you know, people who in the church didn't have money. Right. right? Oh, so they had this thing about poverty was somehow to make you to be really, really saved. You, mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. you shouldn't be after things. You shouldn't be, well, you know what I mean? But you need things in order to to make it in life. All right, yes. we're going to come back yeah, to that. So yeah, you go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah. we're going to so, come back to that. <laughs> so yeah, walking into the church, growing up in a home where my mother used to always say to me, she used to make it sound like money was evil, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, uh, you know and that's a religious thought that yeah. somehow there's too much money, like money, money in itself, you know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> just like in money, general, just in general, wow. she felt like wow. people who were rich, mm-hmm. something was wrong with them. Like mm-hmm. they, they, they weren't living a good life. Like their values were their off. Their values off. They, somehow everybody got money bad, whatever the case <laughs> right. might be. So there was this attachment to money and evil. Right. Mm-hmm. So here I am now come in the church and these people talking about money, but they were talking about money as a tool, mm-hmm. as an instrument. How are we going to work together? Mm-hmm. You know, in the book of Acts, it talks about benevolent. How the, in Acts chapter four, I think it's verse four, it talks about how people had all things in common. They were able to give to one another. Those who didn't have were able to get from those who did have. Mm-hmm. And they created this environment of money was for us to use as a tool. In fact, when I joined Bahamas Faith Ministries, they never used to, they never used to take up no, no, uh, no offering. Or no tithes. They didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Now they told you you can give, but they never passed a bucket. There was never this, you know, but they will tell you if you wanted to give, you can give. And they, they had the, they had the, the, the places with the seed boxes and the corners. And they'll tell you, you could give if you so wish to give. Mm-hmm. They'll tell you it's give. Good to give to God. They told you to give your 10% and you're giving it to God. Mm-hmm. But it was never about the money that they needed it in order. And first of all, 
there was nobody working at the church. Two persons working at the church. So they had to maintain them. The money was to take care of the electricity and the air condition that we were always enjoying and comfortable being in there. That's what they were promoting it. But their idea was money was not evil. Money was a tool. They started teaching me this principle. Pastor Miles at the time, was he was speaking from the book of Proverbs. And he says this, first plant your field, then build your barn. Or another one would say, um, build your build your business first before you build your house. Mm-hmm. Right? So the idea was always look at income earning to sustain you. Before you think about building a house, see a house, I learned that a house was maintenance. Yeah. House, a house would never give to you. Right. A house would always demand to take always. from you. <laughs> it always takes from you. Mm-hmm. But if you have an income earning, you have an income or you have a business, mm-hmm. the business will be able to take care of that which takes from you, which is a house. So my mindset was always, how do I now go out and get something that's going to take care of me? And the idea was to get income earning property. And that's what I did. I learned that in church. I didn't learn that from my mother at home or my father, mm-hmm. right? I learned that in church. Mm-hmm. Always look for building a business first mm-hmm. and then go and get yourself in a long-term debt because you got to look at who's going to pay for that. Yeah. So having an apartment made sense to me. Mm-hmm. I learned that in church, man. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine that? Mm-hmm. In church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least you at least you were open to it because um, even having this conversation, you know, you want to stay clear of certain questions, mm-hmm. you know, because... In our society, you know, there's um, connotations, you know, connected to church and money. Mm-hmm. We don't want to go there. But at least you were open. You had the mindset to say, you know what, what they're teaching, this makes sense. Yes. You know, some people, like you said, if you're not just, if you're not telling me about my soul or to help me be a better Christian, if you start getting into money, people just automatically just shut down because they think, you try you to know, take money from me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the great so, thing about it was... Pastor Miles wasn't earning a salary. Your mm-hmm. father wasn't earning it. They had their own jobs. Wow. At the time, they were working in social services. Mm-hmm. Uh, your father worked in social services. Pastor Miles worked. He was a teacher in Ministry mm-hmm. of Education. In fact, I can give you a story. One day, he and I was driving along, and he was working at the Ministry of Education. And mm-hmm. at that time, he wanted to, to go full-time because the ministry then was demanding so much of him. He wanted to leave to go full-time in the ministry. Well, the prime minister of the country at the time, the prime minister of the country told him he can't leave. <laughs> okay, the prime minister of the country created a, a job opportunity for him in the Churchill building where I worked. And so mm-hmm. one day, he and I were driving together and we were passing the Churchill building. And this was the time when traffic would go both ways on mm-hmm. Bay Street. Okay. Okay. And I never forgot, we were passing the Churchill building and he looked over there because that was now where he was going to be working. I was working in there for the Treasury in the Treasury Department to audit. And he looked over there and he, he said, man, he said, you know, I want to I wanna go into full-time ministry. He says, but I don't want the people to believe that they made me rich. This wow. Was this was his thought. Mm-hmm. He was still holding on to this job to help him to get to the place where he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. His thing was, I don't want the people to say they made me rich. Mm-hmm. Do you know that Dr. Miles Monroe, when he began ministry, I think maybe 10 years, if that much, the church paid him. Mm-hmm. The minute he was able to sustain himself through the fact that he was a motivational speaker out there. He had written books and he was making money. The minute that happened, 
He told the church, do not pay me a dime. Uh-huh. Do not pay me a dime. Wow. Not one cent. Why? He says, God is the one who made me. Him. And who's going to sustain me. Mm-hmm. And he was encouraging other pastors to do the same thing. See, you live off, you live off the church. And the scripture tells us very clearly, right? It tells us that do not muzzle the ox that treads the wheat. What that means, if you look at, if you look at the ox that treads the wheat, right? The ox, they'll have an ox that is tied one to another and they will tie it to a pole and let them walk around in a circle around the wheat and they're stomping it. While the ox is moving, he's also eating. Okay, so you say, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading the wheat. That's what the scripture says. In other words, don't put a muzzle on him. Like how they put a muzzle on a dog so it won't bark or won't bite anyone. Do not put a muzzle on his mouth so that he cannot eat. So when the, when the, when the ox is going around in that circle, he was also eating while he's working. Mm-hmm. Apostle Paul made a statement. He said the same thing concerning those who serve in the ministry. Those who work in the ministry, do not muzzle the ox while he's treading the wheat. In other words, the person who is working should also, working in ministry, should also be able to benefit from the income of the church. Yeah. And the income of the church is the tithes and offering. Yeah. So when he went full time, then we encourage the persons to give a tithes and offering. Why? Because now he's making money. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay? So he gave to the church. Yes. Right? And that's where we want it. And he turned the whole idea of money in a different direction yeah. than people would. He was just a phenomenal, phenomenal person. Yeah. And that's the way he looked at it. So I never forgot him pointing and saying, hey, I want to go full time, but I don't want him. He knew how I be him. Yeah, he knew how I be him. Yeah. <laughs> right? And I, I, think yeah. That's, I think that's so important because, um, and we we'll talk about it more in part two, but mm-hmm. we are the mindset that that if, you're, if you are in church or if you, yeah. The church views on money. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important because a lot of persons have a misconception. Right. And pretty much no matter what you say or do, you know, people are going to have their views or opinions. Yeah. Um, but the main thing, the main premise behind it is that God wants you to have money. Exactly. God wants you to have money. Yeah. God wants you to have money and he wants you to understand that money is, is a tool. Don't allow money to get you. Some people become greedy. They do all what it takes. I've seen people who say, Pastor Christ, pray for me to get a job. Never to get a job. You don't say anymore. Why? Because they're running after the money now and they can't come to church. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, touch, we'll touch more on that in a, in a second. Okay. Thank you. Pastor Kirsch, um, like you said, money is a tool. That's one of our principal points. And also, too, you encourage us to go out there and start your field, start your business, start your income-producing um, um, business plan mm-hmm. that can actually go back into funding a house or other dreams that you may have. So we have come to another episode of CFAL Talks. We would like to thank our guest, Pastor Kirsch Davel, for his contribution and words of wisdom to this discussion, God and Money, Part 3. Thank you, audience, for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please send us a note at info at cfile.com or visit us at www.cfile.com and show your support. Thank you to CFAL for sponsoring this episode. Until next time.